ready to begin. What year is this? The year is 2020, and this is Beyond Sin. Hey there, how's it going? This is Beyond Synth, episode 223, and I am your host, Andy Last, and today we will be chatting with Wojciech Olszewski. This guy makes awesome music, I'm a huge fan of his. I've played a bunch of his tracks over the years, and it was cool to finally uh, get to know him. He's got a huge body of work, lots of uh, soundtracks albums and I uh, I really dig his style man so uh, we're gonna talk to him in just a bit but first let's play some music so here's a cool one from Dastron that's a D-H-A-S-T-R-O-N and uh, I dig this one this is called Reborn by Dastron
And that was Dastron with the track Reborn. I dig that. And uh, you know what? Let's do a little shout out to the PayPals today. So, you know, uh, if you want to support Beyond Synth, you can do it at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Or you can go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. Like these awesome people, like Digital Dreams. And we got Anselmo Incorporated. And then there's Jimmy Groon and the Rosconian. And we got a new PayPal here, Steve Coulter. Well, thanks, Steve. Wait, Steve Coulter. I know Steve Coulter. He was in... Are You are the same Steve Coulter, right? Who, is, who I'm Facebook friends with, who was in my short film, Mr. Bratis. If you ever... <laughs> I, I, yeah, there's not more than one Steve Coulter, is there? I feel like there's only one. The one and only. And uh, and he's donated the 1981. I always like when people do that. It's a nice year. Yeah. But look, man, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for the little donation, buddy. You're a cool guy. Now I'm going to feel weird if it's not the same Steve Coulter. It's got to be. It's got to be. What would be the fucking odds if... <laughs> Some other guy called Steve Coulter happened to donate, and it's so I'm just going to assume you are the Steve Coulter who I bought my stereo from like 10 years ago. You know, I still use that, right? That Sony amplifier. Just yesterday, I was trying to figure it out because I was playing Skyrim, and the fucking bass was so loud that it was like vibrating the house, and so I had to figure out how to turn the volume of just the bass down, like the subwoofer. But. I couldn't figure it out, so I had to go on the internet and find a fucking instruction manual. And then I had to navigate these menus in a really weird way. Anyway, so it's still it's still getting some use. See, I'm a little jealous of my dad's now, because my dad bought a receiver that's got like eight HDMI inputs. And uh, and it's really nice, but the fucking thing was like 500 bucks. Like, I, it's so weird. I think music is the most important thing, and yet I've never spent more than... <laughs> Like, maybe like $200 on a receiver, or usually I would buy those, like, DVD players where it came with five speakers and it was a DVD player. Remember those? Walmart would sell things like that. And they were never good, but that's what I always bought. And then I would go to other people's houses who spend, like, fucking $400 on each speaker and be like, wow, music sounds really awesome when I'm at your house, and yet I never feel the need to invest in those things for myself. It's weird what we will and won't spend money on. But anyway, listen, uh, thanks, Steve. You're a cool guy. And for people who want to know who Steve is, go watch my short film, Mr. Bratis, which I made in... Fuck, when did we make that? Was that, like, ten years ago? It's so crazy that it's 2020. Look, let's listen to some more music, and we'll uh, thank some more of the PayPal's here, because they're cool people. So here is uh, one from Evader, and this is from the album Delta 5, Rings of Saturn, original soundtrack, and this is No Courage Without Fear.
And that was No Courage Without Fear by Evader. And that's a cool one. I always find it confusing because Evader, the way that you label your MP3s, whenever I'm in my music program, it says the artist is Evader Music. And so for a while I'm like, is he actually called Evader Music? But then the album artwork just says Evader. So I, I, I don't know why you got that extra music there. I mean, it is music, and I do enjoy it, so uh, it, that's uh, some good stuff. And that was brought to you by my awesome PayPals, because there's, there's more of them. There's Jersey, with that wacky last name of yours that I'll never be able to pronounce. Well, there's a new one here, Ross Bruce. Ross Bruce, that's interesting. You got like two first names. Anyway, thanks for uh, supporting the show, Ross Bruce. You're a cool guy. I'm so happy that uh, there's all these cool people out there who support uh, Beyond Synth. It means a lot to me. And, of course, the king of the PayPals, Upgrade Jimpy. Upgrade Jimpy is the king of the PayPals, and I appreciate him. Along with Mr. Rob Dyson. He's a cool guy. And then, of course, there's Rohate and Timothy Warwick. And Gus Velichek and Jacob Doring. You guys are all the best. And I thank you for supporting the show. Without you, there would be no show. Oh, and speaking of shows, I gotta film my damn Witcher Part 2 review. I keep forgetting to do that. I got a haircut I don't like, and now I don't want to make a video. <laughs> See, sometimes maybe there's some blessings in disguise that I have so many videos I filmed last year that I still have to edit that I could, like, buzz my hair off right now and still have enough content to edit through that by the time I got around to making new videos, I'd have hair again. So I thought maybe I would change hairstyles, but I don't like what I did. So (laughs) I'm going to be wearing a hat for a little while. (laughs) I do need to find a hat, though. I think it's important to find out what sort of hat suits you. You know, as you get older, you know, I'm getting older and, uh, you know, at some point you need to pick out a hat. I don't know, because I'm not a baseball hat kind of guy. I tried wearing a trilby one time where I accidentally buzzed a square out of the side of my head because I was <laughs> I was cutting my own hair and then I wasn't paying attention and the fucking guard was off and I just went and just did put a, a chunk right in the side of my head. And so we went to the mall and I got a little trilby and a little sort of like a hair makeup thing that I sort of painted over the... Look, let's listen. I'm an idiot. Let's listen to some more music, uh, and then we will uh, keep going here. So here is a track from a guy called Amadeus Vegas, and this is Parallax.
And that was Parallax by Amadeus Vegas. And that's a cool track. Don't forget, you can follow all the artists that I play on the show by uh, just following my social media. When I post episodes of Beyond Synth on Facebook, I tag all the artists in the post. I do the same thing on Twitter. I don't do it every episode for Instagram, but I do usually try to post something. Obviously, not all the artists have all the social media. So sometimes if an artist doesn't have Facebook, I'll just post a link to, you know, their SoundCloud or Bandcamp or something. But... uh, Um, Yeah, and if you listen to the show on SoundCloud, in the description of the episode, you'll find the artist links in there, too. So I suggest you go check out these people, because there's lots of awesome people out there making cool music, just like Mr. Amadeus Vegas, who we just heard. And uh, maybe I should just uh, log into Patreon here, because I think there were some new patrons. I know I think I mentioned some of them on the live show. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mentioned some of these on the, <laughs> on the live show, but uh, we'll mention them proper here. So uh, we got new donors here. There was a whole bunch of triple six donors all of a sudden. The donation of the beast. So we've got poo in an alleyway. And we've got Night Ride FM and Cat Punk. It's another triple six. So uh, this is a very um, devilish week. And I thank you guys for supporting the show. And we have another new donor here, Chris Roberts. So thanks, uh, Chris Roberts, for supporting Beyond Synth. You're a cool guy, along with Vincent. Now, I'm going to fuck up your last name, buddy. Is it Venoir? V-E-N-O-I-R? I'm sure it's not Vanoyer. <laughs> Vanoyer. Vincent Vanoyer. Thank you for your support. You're all just still thinking about that sneeze, aren't you? <laughs> It was satisfying, I'll give you that. So thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. Uh, It means a lot to me, you very special people. So let's listen to... (laughs) I'm all discombobulated now from that sneeze. I feel like a lot changed just now. (laughs) This uh, This is a cool track from Nighthawk from the album Neon Heat. That's the kind of heat I like. You're going to dig it because it's uh, it's a cool track. I think these are all instrumentals today. I'm doing this in honor of Wojciech because I think when we were talking, he prefers the, uh, you know, the instrumental kind of uh, electronic music and stuff. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just have a whole uh, section of instrumental tracks because I do. I've I've gathered a lot of really fun synth pop songs and I know I've been kind of doing the same thing lately where I I do like to start off every episode usually with like a fun kind of synth pop track but um hey man the sky's the limit we're gonna be doing more episodes this year than ever before at least that's the plan I don't want this to be ironic I have a fear of irony 
So that's why I don't like telling my plans out loud. Because, you know, like the second you go, we're going to make more episodes than ever this year is when I get fucking hit by a car like two seconds later. And like, isn't it ironic that Andy said he was going to make more episodes and then turned out to make less? Like, so that's why I don't like saying my plans openly. But I would like to, which means we're going to be listening to a ton of music this year and talking to a ton of people. And that is the bottom line. So let's listen to this. This is Nighthawk from the album Neon Heat. This is Wallbanger.
And that was Wallbanger by Nighthawk. And that song is cool. And of course, brought to you by the the kings of Patreon, which is of course uh, Robert D. Bishop, uh, Collector, and Mr. Chris Dance, and Mike Shima. I call you guys the kings of the Pattersons. Three kings, just like that film. Three kings. Remember that one? So the other day I went to the grocery store and I was going to get some like... You can get, like, wheat-free pasta. They make, like, rice pasta and stuff. And I'm aware that I said pasta and pasta. Pajamas, pajamas, Mario, Mario. It's just an experiment, because the past few times, I, I feel like I'm getting a bit better at making my bolognese sauce, but then I feel sleepy, and I think it's the noodles that are weighing me down. Every time I eat my spaghetti now, I pass out. And so I'm like, you know what? I bet you it's the fucking... So like the carbs and the the wheat in the uh, in the noodles. So I went to like the health section and I saw a box of the kind of noodles I like, the little spirally ones. And I was like, oh great, I'm gonna get some of this. And I take it home and I didn't even, for some reason, I just assumed it was like you know the gluten free stuff. Look, to be fair, I'm not like one of those like oh gluten free. Like I don't care. I was just I wanted to experiment to see if gluten free pasta didn't make me as sleepy as regular pasta. Pasta and. I get home and realize that I just bought organic wheat pasta. And what I mean by that is I just wasted money. (laughs) (laughs) And it turned out it was organic wheat, which I guess is fucking raised humanely. Like, I don't even... You know when they fucking just throw that tag on everything just so they can raise the fucking price? You know, they'll have like, oh, these are organic potatoes. Well, you know, we don't spray them with pesticides. I'm like, they grow in the ground. What do you mean? (laughs) How are you going to spray them? (laughs) <laughs> it's just whatever they can get away with, right? Like, yeah, they spray the the uh, things like apples and shit because it's on the surface, but, like, you can't pesticide a carrot. I mean, like, unless you're... <laughs> unless they actually take the carrots out of the ground and then for no reason dip them in poison just because they can, which, uh, to be fair, I would do. So, look, let's, uh, let's listen to... Uh, one more track here, and then we will go chat with Wojciech Golchewski. We actually talked for a long time. There was just a few episodes in a block that I'm just editing now, where I just ended up having these giant conversations with everybody I was talking to, and uh, they take longer for me to edit and stuff, so I'm going to try and keep things on fucking point here for the rest of the season, but, you know, with Ollie Ride, where we talked for, like, fucking three hours, I ended up talking to Wojciech for, like, two and a half. I ended up uh, talking to next week's guest for like uh, two and a half hours and so they just sometimes they don't end up being two and a half hour shows if I edit a lot of it out but they still take me a long time to sort of run through anyway this next track is by Bronster Bridge and it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters uh, there's Jacob Wick with the 4488 there's City Hunter C1TY Hunt 3R with the 42 and in the the 2666 Club, there's Hugh Hefna and Lucas Ceballos. You guys are awesome. So here is this. This is... Here is this. <laughs> uh, this track's cool. This is a Valley of Dreams Motel by Bronster Bridge.
that was Bronster Bridge with Valley of Dreams Motel. That's a cool one. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. So we're just going to go to the interview with Wojciech. So I'm just going to list you guys all off today. Sorry, I'm not uh, doing this in a fancy way. But uh, I want to thank Anthony, Alex Ellickson, A Star Apart, Restless Nights, Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, Pattern Shift, Kempson, Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco, and Blake Peterson. You guys are, without a doubt, members of the $25 Club. And uh, I thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. You guys are amazing. So uh, let's go now to my conversation with Wojciech Golchewski. I've been waiting a few years for this moment. Tell me how to say your name. It's Wojciech Golczewski. So I think I got it okay. Yeah, though, right. Like I said, uh, yeah, in a, in a, on a Facebook, you you got it pretty right. I mean, more than right. Uh, it's one of the best pronunciations I've heard for a while. So uh, you definitely got it right. So Wojciech Golczewski. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wojciech Golczewski, and uh, if anyone has a problem with the first name, then the Wojciech is just like a, a long official name. The short of it is a Wojtek, so everyone pretty much calls me Wojtek on a regular basis. Family and friends and everyone calls me Wojtek. Wojciech is just like, you know, what Peter and everyone calls you Pete, right? So... Um, just a, a, a long name that no one's really used on the... Right, but Wojtek, isn't that like the same amount of syllables as Wojciech? Like, how is that shorter? It's a lot easier to pronounce uh, if you don't know how to pronounce Wojciech, right? Because if, if someone sees Wojciech, I mean, they are like, okay, how do you say it, right? And when you see Wojtek, it's a lot easier to say without knowing how to pronounce Wojciech. Because when, when you know how to pronounce Wojciech, it's pretty easy, I think. Uh, but uh, you know, when you see all these C, H, and stuff like that next to each other, you go like, oh, okay, what, what to do with it, right? How do you, how do you spell Wojtek? It's W-O-J-T-E-K, Wojtek. This is Polish, correct? Because mm-hmm. yeah. W-O-J just makes a completely different sound in English. Yeah. That's why yeah. it's so difficult, because it looks like Woj. <laughs> you know, like yeah, we would yeah just... pretty much, yeah. But yeah, because the reason is, obviously, years ago, you sent me some music. When I first tried to pronounce your name, obviously, I fucked it up. And then you sent me a website where a robot lady pronounced your name. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, the robot the... lady put a D sound in Goldchevsky, and she said Goldovsky, like like this Mm -hmm. and I remember going okay that seems weird but then I said it the way the robot said it and then that turned out to be wrong so that the one robot lady was wrong anyway look the bottom line (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we fixed that uh, pretty fast yeah maybe there was some like an issue with the CZ sound Mm. because it's normally you you read that as a like a cheese like the CH from cheese like chi so uh, CZ in Polish is very popular and that's a pretty much the thing that uh, most people have a problem with is CZ, CZ, it's like CZ, that's really difficult to, for anyone to, I mean Pol- Polish in general is considered to be one of the most difficult languages to learn. I like that uh, you're a, a talented musician and I'm just stuck on your name, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if only <laughs> anyone would just like pronounce it like you do, I would be very happy because I mean people are absolutely massacring the the name uh, in many occasions. I just they, they talk about me. I don't even know that they 
they do because <laughs> I can't really understand. Yeah, it's 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 insane. But uh, uh well, what can you do? <laughs> it is what it is. If I would be starting all over again, I would probably use something else. I mean, uh, shorter and. Uh, English or something like that, but now it's too late, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is what it is, and people kind of got used to it already. The ones that uh, are interested in, anyways. Well, I should say uh, before we get going here that you are a very talented guy. I think there's so many people, you know, making sort of uh, cool electronic music and stuff, and I think you deserve a lot more recognition because your music is pretty awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, the, I don't really, cons- I don't really <laughs> share the same opinion, to be honest. Oh, dude, no, y- your stuff. What I like about it is it's minimal, but always has this epic quality. I mean, even if you're just using really like simple sounds and stuff, it's the songs always have this build, and it's so like just cinematic. It's tricky to just pick which songs to play because I was I was going through all the albums in preparation to you know and like there's so many just wicked songs like it, it's it's really good stuff. Thank you. Uh, but the thing is that the the stuff that I'm writing now is coming from the stuff that uh, I've done in the past and now I'm writing music for almost uh, 30 years now. There was a different eras and different uh, kind of music that I was into it at some point. I pretty much did everything at some point. When I was younger, I was playing in rock metal bands. Uh, I was, uh, you know, writing everything from cheap tunes to full orchestra. So the things that I'm writing at the moment is just, it's kind of a minimal, like you say, but uh, it's because I'm not really interested in building it up just for the sake of building it up, right? When I was uh, starting as a film composer, like 15 years ago, I was writing music for uh, video video games and uh, movies. You know, I have to show people that I'm capable of doing uh, really big stuff and, uh, you know, complex stuff. And uh, that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Whenever there was an opportunity to do so, I was just always trying to to show people that you know you, you can you can build something uh, really complex and that you're in your head there's a, a lot of things going on that you can and are able to put into notes and music and stuff like that and nowadays I'm just like I've done it all pretty much I don't really have to you know show show off to sure. people that you you really know what you're doing so I'm really into simple things nowadays and just like when I like something that sounds really simple but it just like sounds good and is enough then I don't see a problem with just leaving it as it is and without trying like 10 hundreds different add-ons on top of that and just like to make it more complex to just make it like there's a uh, more going on into than it should be yeah 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 and that's why my music is just very often it's like four or five instruments max playing or even less and this really put me back into the uh, early days when i was uh, starting writing music on the c64 and the amiga computers when there was like four channels only and you had just like these four channels and you had just four sounds at the time to make a use of it and uh, it was fun it was challenging and you know you, you had to make a cool stuff with, that sounds uh, a way more complex than it should with only four sounds 
Yeah. We'll we'll get into that because I do want to talk about that, the chiptune scene and stuff, because I didn't even know you were a part of it until I was talking to uh, Dub Mood. But yes. first, I want to listen to some music. So this one is actually more of a cinematic track. This was from uh, an album you did called Horseman Hatred, which I don't even know what the context of this is. But there's this track on here called Franken Track, uh, which is a nice big sort of uh, cinematic track. So we're going to listen to that now.
All right, and that was Frankentrack by Wojciech Golczewski, and I'm here right now with Wojciech. That's actually, uh, that's a track that's just like a, a track made out of uh, leftovers from the demos that didn't make it. Okay. <laughs> and I, was, and I, I had like one minute or uh, one and a half minute of uh, demos for the Horseman Hatred EP, and then... And that's why I made this track called Frankentrack because it's like made out of different parts, like a Frankenstein. And that's I just released it for free because there was some cool ideas, but I didn't have the time and uh, to finish it up properly. I mean, the, each of the demos, so I just put it as a one track and just release it. So what the hell is Horseman Hatred? I don't really know <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Yeah, at the time I was just like, okay, why don't I just like, I probably came up with something that just sounded like a, like an epic trailer kind of stuff, or I was asked to do some trailers, I can't really remember, and I made some ideas and demos, and probably one of them just made it through, and then I was left with five or eight more almost finished tracks, so I decided to actually finish it, and yeah, and like there is like pretty much one bass sound set in all of them which is just like uh, enhanced in each of the track but the, the the bass is the same so i can't really recall that what it was at the time because it's pretty i mean it was released in 2015 i think or something like that but i was it, it was made like two years prior to that so uh, probably like six years ago there was a lot of work back then so i'm just assuming that i was just making some trailer music and then i was left with that and why not release it for free but why is it called horseman colon hatred uh, i know i have a second cover prepared and it's called horseman abomination uh, there was an idea of a, a, a four horsemen of a couple apocalypse uh, or something like that oh so like there would be like four albums yeah that, okay. there should be a four eps but uh i didn't really i mean there is uh, some material up probably to to make four of these but not really that much time and uh, the music is so outdated now that i probably won't go back to it anyways so this is the one horse man of apocalypse yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> not, not, not gonna be any follow-up on this i guess uh, i mean people are asking me if there will be something like that in the future but uh, i doubt because uh, i'm not really into it anymore that much if i'll have to do it uh, you know for work for a film or something like that then i would uh, of course uh, do something like that i'm not really listening to a lot of uh, music nowadays and uh, when i find out that people are doing something you could say it's uh, similar in style or genre or whatever then I kind of start shifting in a different uh, direction because uh, I don't really want to follow the trends that much. And uh, I think uh, like five years ago, I've noticed that there is a five, four, three years ago, there was a huge boom on the market for uh, trailer music, right? And epic stuff. And there was like a flute of, uh, of of this kind of sounds and music. There was uh, a many uh, companies just like trailer houses that just do music for trailers and nothing else. And it's kind of become a thing of its own. And uh, when I've noticed that there is just like everyone starting to write this kind of music nowadays, 
I just instantly dropped it because uh, it's kind of pointless. It's pretty similar to what's happening with the synthwave scene at the moment. And now everyone starts doing it. There's just like a flood of artists and, and people, everyone starting to make because it's relatively easy to do some really basic stuff that sounds good. So I guess we, we are we are coming here to the to the to the point what you were saying earlier that you know my music I I hope is a, a bit different. I'm not really consider myself a synthwave artist as well. Well, no, no. And I mean, uh, yeah. so what I because what I deal with on the show is sort of stuff that is in and around the synthwave scene. But my personal thing is I just love electronic music. Yeah, I think electronic music is the good description of. of yeah, and so like you say, I mean, there is this sort of there's a generic synthwave sound, but then there's obviously artists who are really talented who elevate mm-hmm. or you know take elements from it, but then make it their own. Exactly. And then there is the people who go on YouTube and watch tutorials and make like you know generic synthwave copycats. Yeah, and that, that stuff is like it's boring. It doesn't offend me, but it bore. It's boring. Like it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's um, <laughs> when you hear it, it sounds cool. It's good in the background, but if you're starting to, you know, really listen to it, you just notice that it's nothing there outside of the box, right? It's just pretty much everything is the same. Yeah, and that's what I like about your music. I mean, as we're sitting here talking about, like, trailer music and stuff, I think your music works really well, but all of it would be really cool trailer-type stuff. But what I like about it is you use... Like you say, there's just like a small sort of like palette of sounds, but these songs always like have this build where they do have an epic quality to them and an emotional quality to them. Like when I listen to your stuff, I really get the sense of like that there's like feeling in the music. And that's my main thing when it comes to music is I like obviously I like music that evokes feelings and it gets me inspired to create things. And obviously boring music uh, doesn't do that. <laughs> it, it's yeah. not very inspiring but your stuff because I, okay i want to listen to another track here and then we'll we'll talk about it this was from the album end of transmission and uh this is the first track off that album this is transmission one
And that was Transmission One by Wojciech Golchewski from the album End of Transmission. I'm here right now with Wojciech, or Wojtek, was it? Is that the short one? Yeah, Wojtek, that's, that's the short one. Wojtek? Yeah, correct. This is, uh, this is a cool album. You've done a few of these End of Transmission albums, and all the tracks are just like Transmission One, Transmission Two, Transmission Three. What's, what's the theme of these? I really hate coming up with uh, titles. Yeah. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty much the only idea. Yeah. Uh, I can already say that there's like five of them already planned and uh, the third one will be coming next year for sure and there will be like transmission 14 5, 15 16 17 and, and so on and yeah the idea was of course uh, more than just like the lack of time to figure out the name uh, there was this idea it was just like a spin-off project of reality check trilogy that the transmission were supposed to be just like a, a space transmission coming from the station that reality check and the signal albums are telling the story about because the uh, end of transmission one was uh, entirely made with the uh, Minimook, so this is very like uh, you know minimal sounds and computer sounds. So I figured out it would be cool for, for it to be some kind of you know messages from outer space, outer realms of space that uh, you know the computer is receiving, and that was the idea, and that's why. I, it's transmission one, two, and so on. And the second trans- end of transmission two is a, a bit more of a, a synthwave, I guess. One of the most synthwave stuff that I've made. And the transmission three will be again made with the uh, minimoog only. So it will be end of transmission one uh, kind of stuff. Like, do you like uh, space stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably saying that <laughs> in every interview, but uh, for me, if you would like make a movie that uh, there's a, a tiny spaceship in a space flying for six hours. I'll be very happy with it and probably watch it for six hours. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like you said, I'm really, I'm really into emotions and feelings in music. That's my priority always. I mean, there's something in this idea of, uh, you know, this tiny spaceship with a few people on it or one even just flowing in space for endless time being pretty much nothing of significance in this whole universe cosmos kind of thing and if you start thinking about it thinking of us and all of this i don't know it, it instantly brings some peace into my mind that uh, there's just nothing to really worry about have you ever tried uh, floating in an isolation tank? No, no, no. There's no such thing in my uh, area in here. Uh, I would <laughs> really like to try it again. That's <laughs> Maybe you should um, open one up. You can be the first uh, Polish isolation tank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just really into cosmos. I don't know why. I really like sci-fi films. I pretty much watch everything that I'm able to find uh, in terms of you know space travel kind of movies. I'm really happy that we are in the times that there's a, a lot of these films coming up nowadays. There was a, not that many of them like 10 years ago, but now there, there's just like a new awakening in the genre. In the genre? Genre? Genre, um, yeah. <laughs> it's always very difficult for me to say this word. So yeah, I, I'm really into this kind of film. I really like scoring sci-fi films. I had the pleasure to actually score a few of them. And it was really fun. Didn't you score a movie called 400 Days? That's like exactly what you're describing? Yeah, I did. And, uh, and that may be a film that actually like 
pushed me hard into this area of music and that's when I actually started to release my own music because prior to that I was pretty much just scoring films and, and games and, and didn't really release uh, my own stuff. I didn't really have a time as well for it. The soundtrack you did for 400 Days, that was more like kind of spooky atmospheric sort of tracks, right? Yeah, that was a lot of ambient stuff because it's kind of a mixture of a mystery sci-fi and there's some horror elements in it as well. A lot of people describe this film as an episode of uh, Twilight Zone. You can't even tell 100% sure what the film is all about to be honest because the ending is just like an open ending. Is it one of those uh, I mean I haven't seen it but I mean is, is it one of those like the spacemen are going crazy and you don't know if what they saw was real? Is it one of those? Yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. There, is a, there is an experiment <laughs> they are closed uh, for 400 days and you, you can't really be sure what, what happened right? They shouldn't be uh, leaving the earth and uh, they, were, they were just like a psycho test of, of the space travel thing but uh, there is like a, a hint that they may actually leave the earth or that there was actually you know a, a big uh, disaster on earth so when they are actually opening the hatch and just getting out the earth is not what it used to be right but the, you, you can't really tell if this is all experiment uh, even if when when they when they are leaving the hatch or is it for real so many people don't like this film for that particular reason. <laughs> in all honesty, I, I don't really understand that. That I, I'm really peaceful guy, and you, you you can't really get me angry. It takes a lot of to you know bring me out of my balance. But uh, when I read the people giving this film like a rating of one because they don't understand the ending, I mean, come on. I like sometimes not understanding something fully. Like, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, like, David Lynch. Yeah, exactly. With the third season of Twin Peaks, I did feel the ending was a little too open-ended for my taste. Mm -hmm. But when sometimes a movie is about more the style or the mood it's trying to create, and then there's, like, weird stuff going on, I don't necessarily need, like, just a list of answers at the end. I agree completely. I don't really like to be, uh, you know, hold by hand uh, throughout the, the whole thing so that you can just, like, you know, watch the end credits with peace. Like, I have friends like that who they watch movies and when they say what they liked, they literally just explain the plot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about the filmmaking or anything. Like, yeah. they, they just like what happened in the movie you know they just say oh this movie's so cool why oh because this guy runs in and he's like he's killing all these dudes and getting revenge and it was awesome like yeah i mean that's what happened uh, you know what i mean like sometimes it's just for some people like it's the plot that's the most important thing to them and not really the you know anything else i like films that just like pure entertainment as well you know and then you just end watching it and okay that was fun yeah and nothing else right for what it was it was great it was supposed to be entertainment two hours or, or of fun or whatever but there are films that you know you can actually think about and they just like stay inside you for a lot of time i mean there was i don't know if you've seen this one but um there was also a, a great score film called annihilation with natalie portman i haven't heard the score people say the score is good yeah it's it's really uh, electronic minimal and uh, really good i was really looking forward to that film from the ex machina director and i was like uh, really looking forward uh, and I must say, I was kind of disappointed by the film. But still, when I think about it, I still have something to think about, right? 
Yeah, mm. that, that's that's the good description. I mean, I was expecting a lot of things to happen in that film, and, and it did. There was not really that many of the surprises, but still, there are enough questions that remain mystery that you can think about it, and you know, you can make whatever you want out of it. You can make your own ending, your own story. And even though I was kind of disappointed with the film, because at some point it was too obvious, at some point it was trying too hard without really having the base for that. But at the end of the day, even though I would just like give it like five and a half or maybe six out of ten, at the end of the day it's still a great film because uh, because you actually brought something out of it, right? And it's it kind of stayed. Uh, in you for a while uh, and even though some things were maybe not necessary maybe not really that cool as it should be as it supposed to be as it as it's meant to be it's still a cool movie i would actually advise people to watch it's something definitely you can you know talk to people about and uh, probably many people will have a uh, different opinions about it and that's that's films i like and you know like you said Twin Peaks is just like a state of the art of its own, so uh, I admire David Lynch for actually getting back to it because we know how, how he is. He probably doesn't care much about what people say, that that's why he actually made the third season. I loved pretty much all of it. Just right at the end, the only problem I had was the first, like in season two, when when Twin Peaks ends, it ends on a cliffhanger and the show was canceled. Yeah. So that's obviously an, in a, it's not an appropriate ending because it, and I don't need all the answers. I don't need to understand what the Black Lodge is. I don't really need to know the origin of like the evil or anything like that. But it's nice to have a little bit of closure with the characters. Mm -hmm. So Twin Peaks Season 2 doesn't give you that because it literally ends with the main character getting possessed and slamming his head into a mirror. And that's no way to end a show. So it was always necessary that we got to see more. And I know that they always said that the thing that, f that fucked up Twin Peaks was that they gave away the mystery in Season 2... And that was a problem when they revealed who killed uh, Laura Palmer, because then the whole show... Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, I actually liked where the show went, where it became about this weird, like, space stuff, and there was, like, the, you know, the black... whatever. But in season three, I think they, they wanted to recapture the mystery by leaving some things open-ended at the end, but I think they left too much open. So it just didn't feel like an ending. It just felt like, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, really? Like, when it just cut to black, I was like, what? No way. <laughs> no fucking way. Like, I don't need a list of resolutions to everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that ending just, it raised, like, a million questions. And I would have been happy if the show ended and left us with, you know, two or three questions. Mm -hmm. But not, like what like fucking parallel dimension like what the fuck like it just there was just so much left in the air that it was a little unsatisfying for me although i thought about it for a long time like when the show was over i'm just like what the fuck did that mean and i really and i still think about it it's a really haunting ending <laughs> i guess that that's, that was the purpose, I guess, for the for Lynch to actually, you know, if people were still talking about and thinking all the time, I mean, when I was watching uh, Twin Peaks uh, 1 and 2, I was a kid, right? 10, 11, right? And I was uh, literally scared. I mean, the Bob is just like uh, something that 
literally scared the shit out of me at some point, right? Mm. This this scene from season one when he's behind the couch and it's just coming into the screen, that was really unsettling for me, right? <laughs> it, it was haunting me for, for a while, but I absolutely love that film uh, and keep watching it. And, you know, and it ended so fast, uh, 25 years, and, you know, we were still talking about uh, it was still um, in the talks of, of many people who are trying to figure out what actually happened and, uh, and you know what could happen next and stuff like that I don't I don't necessarily think that Twin Peaks 3 season season 3 should happen maybe I'm, uh, I'm in the minority in here but I wasn't really looking forward to season 3 I was absolutely happy completely happy with the with the season 2 uh, and how it ended and season three, it's 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 a weird one. I mean, uh... <laughs> well, what, what I liked because I like David Lynch, and so what I liked about season three was that it was the most David Lynch thing I've seen yeah. in a long time. Like that, that was pure. Definitely, because even the show, it's David Lynch, but it's still a television show on TV, and it's it's sort of softened a bit. But the Twin Peaks season three was like fucking. David Lynch on Overdrive and like I laughed a lot during season three it made me laugh at just the audacity of you know where he would have scenes where like you'd see someone sweeping for like five minutes (laughs) and that shit fucking makes me laugh because after like the first minute I'm like what balls on this guy like people are tuning into this to see some sort of resolution to the story and then he'll just hold on some nonce guy spray painting shovels for four minutes exactly but it, that stuff makes me laugh like I, I laughed quite a bit I was scared that the magic will be gone that was my main concern that it will be just like the actors are obviously you know a lot older and I was um, scared that they will try too hard to fit these characters that are so old now mm-hmm. but there is this scene in, in that bar when chromatics are playing and, and james walks in and shelly is sitting with their girlfriends there and, and he's grabbing a beer and watches their table uh, and, and and she's just like it's just james james is cool he's always been cool right and then in this particular moment i knew that okay this is going to be good, right? It's still the same Twin Peaks and uh, it's still the same people and the magic is there. All in all, I'm really happy that, that actually the season three was made. I will probably re- rewatch it like a few times more before I actually have anything figured out. Well, have fun with that. I watched, <laughs> I watched so some that. video. I watched, there's literally a YouTube video. I didn't watch the whole thing where a guy tries to explain what Twin Peaks means and the video was like five hours long. (laughs) Yeah. Again, his thesis is interesting that Twin Peaks, the show is aware that people are interacting with it like it is like an actual TV show. Mm -hmm. It knows that you're watching the show and then that's part of the experience. And the way that he sort of like goes through what all the symbols mean, like the show exists to entertain the people who are watching, like it's feeding off. The, it's this weird whole thing, but it goes on for five hours. Um, I, again, I'm probably, well, I'm not doing, ju- obviously, forget. if it takes the guy five hours to explain it, I'm not going to explain it in like two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I want to listen to some more music, though. Yeah. So you've done some soundtracks and you've done some sci-fi and some horror. This was uh, a track from a a movie called Tonight She Comes. And this track is called She Comes by Wojciech Golczewski.
And that was She Comes by Wojciech Golchewski from the soundtrack for Tonight She Comes. Now, I got to say this right now. That song is fucking awesome. I've never seen the film, but I'm going to say right now that there's no way in hell the movie's as good as that music you made. Uh, no offense, no offense to the filmmakers. I'm sure it's a fine movie, but they were very lucky to have hired you because that song is amazing. Well, I mean, uh, that was like a dream come true at some point because uh, the director and now my friend Matt Stewart just came to me and said that I can pretty much do whatever I want, and he will just not interfere. And of course, he will. You know, say if something really is out of line for him. What I should say, I should just qualify my sentence. I'm not, because I haven't seen the film. I'm sure the film is fine. But your music, I feel, in this particular instance, would have elevated a terrible movie to have been cool simply because of the soundtrack. Like, if that's the title, like, I don't know the movie, so, but if that was, like, the title song or wherever that played, no matter what images were playing, they would have been good because of the music. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's, um, <laughs> a lot of thing. a lot of people actually, um, are messaging me, writing me, and say that, uh, my music is the best part of the particular film, and of course, uh, that's always a great, uh, thing to hear from me uh, because you know that's my job right to elevate the film and I never took a film that I'm not really into I mean there are of course better and uh, and worse films I've made uh, some are very indie and you know the budgets are small and you can see that but I personally never did a film I would be ashamed of right and uh, I never did a film that I would think okay shit I shouldn't have done that right it was just about all about money. I was re- li- literally rejecting films. They were paying me like uh, a pretty large uh, amount of money to score it, but uh, I couldn't really watch the film on my own because I thought it's just not good. So I was uh, saying uh, no thanks. I really appreciate the offer, but uh, you know, I, I, I really prefer not to do something than do something that I would be no, not happy with. And tonight she comes. People, some people are really into it. There was some uh, synthwave festival in Helsinki a couple of weeks ago, and they screened that film because uh, they loved the soundtrack and the film. The film is really crazy. I mean, it's it's just like homage to the to the uh, slasher films, but it's like really a bit fucked up to be honest. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but in a good way, I think. And it, it has a, a great um, a great cinematography. It's really well done. In terms of technical aspects, great sounds effect by uh, great sound designer. I'm really happy that I done this film. As long as something cool is made, if it wasn't for the movie, you wouldn't have made the soundtrack. Exactly. So, exactly. so the filmmakers and the people involved still have sort of credit in that they created this project that got you involved, that got you to make the thing. And whether or not your music is the thing that ends up being the standout thing, everyone sort of was part of the you know the seeds that got the project underway. And from my point of view, and my selfish point of view, is I just like awesome music. So as long as awesome music, awesome art, anything gets created i'm happy yeah and uh and that's pretty much where where i sit on this because i don't really talk about music in terms of you know like i don't really use music terms when i talk to even though i talk to mostly musicians you know i'm not sitting there like what was the uh 
what was the BPM of this uh, frequency <laughs> register? What, you know, I don't care. To yeah. me, it's all about how it makes me feel. Exactly. Same here, yeah. And I don't discredit any part of the process if it means that the final result is something awesome. Just like you said, if it wasn't for the film, if it wasn't for uh, Matt coming to me, if it wasn't for the offer, this uh, whole soundtrack, which a lot of people claim is really good and I really appreciate that, this thing would never, uh, it would not exist uh, if it wasn't for that. And like I said, uh, the track She Comes, many people are really into that track and this track wouldn't be it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the film yeah, so it's really very good i write with pictures even my personal stuff i always have some pictures in my mind when i write music so when i receive a film to score it's just like making it a whole lot of damn easy for me right mm-hmm. because when you write music for film, at least for me, I don't really have to do much because you have a picture in front of you and this picture pretty much writes the music itself for you. You just have to come up with something that just talks to the picture and just like relates to it and then just gel in and, and, and create something new. And if it wasn't for the picture, there wasn't be such a tempo, there wasn't be such a sound, there wasn't be such a uh, theme, melody or whatever, you, there wasn't be such a, a harmonics in this track. Everything that's there, it's because the movie was there, right? Mm-hmm. So without it, this set of things wouldn't have come to create this track. This yeah. would be something yeah. different. So even something really, really bad can create something really, really good. See, it's like a nice a nice positive message. I like that. My, my last film I scored in UK, uh, which is uh, one of the biggest films I've made so far. And it's also a sci-fi film. And it's just like, you know, uh, just like you said, uh, that it wouldn't... If it wasn't for the film, the music won't be there, wouldn't be there. And uh, this film wanted me to do some 70s electronica and like a crowd electronica kind of things right without this i wouldn't even probably touch this kind of you know area of music so it kind of not only gives you ideas it's just like also you're evolving in terms of you know your own abilities of creating stuff you keep growing because you you have to go to places you wouldn't even consider going like a two years ago right and that's what i really like about the films this just like they have their own thing when you're deciding to visit this thing this place you'll have to create something completely new for it it just really makes stuff a lot easier at least for me and yeah (laughs) yeah well look i want to listen to more music this was a track from an album you did called reality check i think this was the first album i heard of yours because i remember that cool artwork where the spaceman has like the laser shooting through Mm -hmm. him and uh this was a track called being human by Wojciech Koczewski.
that was Wojciech Kolchewski with the track Being Human from the album Reality Check. And I'm here right now with Wojciech, uh, just talking about making music and stuff like that. So this was, I mean, I think at one point you sent me this and uh, I was like, holy shit, like this is really awesome. And that's a, a wicked track. And uh, that's all I got to say is that I like it. <laughs> I actually don't like this track at all. I mean, this is <laughs> yeah. This is uh, you I think you have bad of, taste, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is the worst track from Reality Check for me. What are you uh, talking about? Yeah, it's just like uh, get out of here, get out of here. What the fuck? But uh, yeah, but Reality Check pretty much it was my first personal album that was released, and it's pretty much the starter of the whole thing. I had this album written for like two years and I probably wouldn't release it if it wasn't for people at Lakeshore Records because they were releasing 400 Days uh, soundtrack yeah, and they loved it and they told me that I should release it and I sent it to Spencer from Death Waltz, uh, Mondo and he loved it uh, and yeah, that's, that, that's how it all started. I'm really happy that I did because uh, being a film composer is really difficult. It's hard to get a, a job uh, at some point. You never know what the future brings. Uh, you're always insecure about your funds and uh, and money. Uh, so I never really thought that you know my personal music would be something that people would be willing to buy or listen. And now four years later. Uh, I mean, that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life because uh, not only I do what I love, but also I'm not really that worried about the future anymore because I'm not really that dependent on film music anymore. I can do one, two films per year and along my personal stuff, you know, you don't have to panic all the time if I'll have uh, money to pay the bills next month and I was re I'm really 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 thankful to all the people that actually said to me that I should just push and just start releasing my own stuff because it's good because I don't consider my music that good so when I was writing a film I was kind of justified that it's for the film and I don't even have to worry about what to say about it because you know the film needs this kind of thing in my opinion or in the opinion of director or producer so the pressure is on the filmmakers and I'm just like in the back just doing my thing but when you're releasing your own stuff it's just you and the music and if people just tell you that it sucks well it sucks there's no <laughs> nothing else to say about it no, no one will come and say well we wanted this kind of music so it's not his fault uh, it's just you and I wasn't really prepared for people to actually love this music that much because the end of transmission and reality check and then the signal these things were were really huge I mean the, the number of units sold thousands of people bought each of these that's that's really a lot of people and uh, I didn't really expect that to be honest so if you're doing your own music as opposed to doing a soundtrack like do you use you know like science fiction art and stuff like that like as inspiration or do you just sort of invent things in your head yeah I invent things in my head pretty much yeah. but I often uh, start working on an artwork for the album along with writing music so I kind of always create some images for it while working on it there is always a story in my head I mean always there's always some picture or some 
you know, either something I've just seen, I watched a movie or something like that. Uh, I, ju I just have to have pictures. I don't know why. Even if it's just like this, <laughs> this, uh, this stupid little ship in space, it, it, it's just something always there. And that's why I'm not really that worried about uh, if it's too minimal, if it's just like too simple, because I just picture a lot in my head and even one sound can be a perfect match for it so that's why sometimes it's just really not much going on but it's enough in in my opinion i i, I strongly believe in the less is more kind of attitude when it comes to music yeah well i'd like to listen to more so let's move ahead here to uh the album relay satellite one or relay sat one this one's got some awesome tracks on it and i want to listen to data one because they're all just data and then a number at the end, just like your transmission albums. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one's called Data One by Wojciech Golchewski.
And that was Wojciech Golczewski with the track Data One from Relay Sat One. Uh, and I'm here right now with Wojciech, just listening to tunes and stuff. That's another leftovers album. I mean, uh, <laughs> I love yeah. just the fucking. <laughs> Listen. I just can't. Listen. No, 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 no. Listen to me. All right. You you make awesome music. It's very good. All right. We're going to have no more of this fucking, uh, oh, it's all leftovers and all this nonsense. All right. I'm done with it. I mean, uh, they are leftovers. I just write so many demos for each uh, (laughs) album that I have like, from reality check, I could just do like three or four full albums more. Mm. The same with the signal. I just I, I write a lot of stuff. I mean, a, a lot of demos and ideas. Uh, and then I, I if I like them, I try to finish them. I mean, relay was also released as a free download because um, I, I really like to give people some free stuff as well because they are spending their money to buy records and um, it means a lot and I appreciate it so speaking of demos then you used to be uh, part of the demo scene when I was talking to that's a segue I was talking to uh, Dub Mood and then he mentioned your name and I was like really because I I only knew you as this guy who made this cool like cinematic music and then he's like oh he's part of it too and it turns out like there's so many people who are part of that damn demo scene so when you were doing stuff there like were you still doing it under your name or did you have a alias yeah I had a nick uh, I started uh, as Blaze Blaze was my nickname mm-hmm. and then uh, I figured out that uh, there was another Blaze I mean I, I was using this for like 2-3 years and then some other plays came up in Scandinavia, in Finland or Sweden, I can't remember now. So I shortened it, it to BLC, right? And it's just like, sticked with uh, BLC uh, as a short from Blaze. Everyone called me Blaze, but uh, officially it was BLC because uh, you just don't want to confuse people with too many nicks. You ever tempted to uh, make chiptunes? I did. A lot of them. So it's done. It's like it's it's all in the past. You never sit yeah. there and go like, ah, I I could I could do one today. I mean, there there is a a, a lot of eight beat and chip tunes kind of stuff in in my albums. Reality check and the and the signal have like at least four or five tracks each. That fifty percent of it is chip tune, like uh, Sid Vortex tracks, like uh, Insomnia track from uh, Reality Check, or Super Unknown, or Command 64 from The Signal. Command 64 is actually an acronym of Commodore 64, so Command 64 is it's just like pure chiptune track. Uh, I still use the, the sounds, I still use uh, Commodore 64 for creating some cool sounds, but uh, not 100% chiptune anymore. I don't think I will ever do a, like a hardcore chiptune ever again. The era is gone. I, I don't even know <laughs> if I will be able to do something like that. The, the days of Blaze are done. Yeah. I'm really happy how it is because when I was in uh, Razer 1911, I mean, we had a really, really cool time creating some one of the best chip discs uh, that are out there and many consider it to be the most popular and fun chip disc up to today. But it's gone, I guess. I mean, there is a, I, I've made a, a chip disc in 2001 or 2002 called Whispers. I wouldn't consider it to be the best 
in terms of music, but in terms of emotions uh, and design and, and stuff like that, uh, in production values and stuff like that, many consider this the best chip disc ever. And on the uh, biggest uh, side, demo scene side, when you review productions, it's the number one chip disc ever. So we will have a 20th anniversary soon, so I guess. I don't know, we will have to come up with something and maybe do something fun and cool. I'm pretty sure we will do something uh, to surprise some people because many people would like us to release it on some physicals. But I think in general, the chiptune era for me is over. And uh, I mean, I, I hope there is some echoes of it in my tracks because I still love chiptunes. They are absolutely brilliant. The idea is brilliant. It gives you the ability to push yourself and do really cool stuff with very limited resources. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just too old. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, definitely like those sounds do come through in your music. Like a lot of the tracks I like of yours have a lot of uh, complex sort of arpeggios going on. Yeah, arpeggios is just my thing and it always will be. And it's just like coming pure from chips. Yeah. Because chips are all about arpeggios. And, uh, I want to uh, I want to move ahead here to the album The Signal um, because there's an awesome track on this that I want to listen to. Uh, hopefully this isn't the worst one on the album according to Wojciech. Um, <laughs> this is... A- <laughs> Uh, this is a track called <laughs> Childhood Dream. Oh my god. Yeah. What? Nothing, but uh, I don't like it, yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, What's I, wrong I don't with like you? the. Because it's like, like an obvious, uh, you know, sweet kind of track of this album, and uh, <laughs> I played it. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I don't no. care. I'm playing it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's not, of course, not the worst. But uh, I mean, I know that most people, for most people, it's the best track from this album. So you're absurd. Listen, I want to. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it anyways. Cause <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, go ahead. Here it is. This is a "Childhood Dream" by Wojciech Golchewski.
And that was Wojciech Golczewski with the track Childhood Dream, which is his favorite track from the album. Is that correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's right. I'm really happy that you picked this one. <laughs> you have a great day, mate. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm I'm just I'm really uh, if if I would pick one thing of my own. Uh, the signal would be it, right? This is the thing that I'm really uh, happy with pretty much from beginning to the end. I'm really happy with this album. And uh, I must say that I don't listen to my stuff very often, but uh, the signal, if I hear it, if I kind of like play it, I will always listen from start to finish because this is pretty much a definition of my kind of thing, right? I'm really into this kind of thing. I'm really happy how everything turned out with this one. And I'm actually finishing the third part because the it's a reality check trilogy and reality check is linked with the signal and there is a third one, Spectre, the last one. Yeah, and it's just taking me a bit more time because um, I would also like to be as good, at least for me, as the signal because uh, I'm really, like I said, the signal is... If you would ask me stuff that I'm really happy with that I've done, the signal would probably be the first one too mention i love the idea that like all the tracks that i like the most are the ones that you like the least i mean uh, <laughs> i still find that funny yeah, like there's well, such there's such great songs and like like childhood dream is one it's got like great emotion to it and it has like this build it's it's uh it's, it's uplifting you know well that's the thing because a lot of your stuff it sort of has a build but there's almost like an intensity to it and why i chose childhood dream is because that track in particular um has so- sort of an uplifting vibe you will always pick the ones that probably i wouldn't pick that it's just like that i mean we, we always uh, love different stuff than people do and i uh, you know i'm I, I just want people to listen to it if they like whatever it's absolutely great and you know if you like these tracks and you decided to play them i think that's the best thing that you can do because uh most people would probably just go along your choices than mine i think most musicians composers kind of like different stuff than the most of the people most of the audience would pick as their fi- favorites because when we create when people create stuff they are just kind of you know emotional about it and linked to the each of the track in a different way so what is it then like when you think about those albums and every time i pick a song that's like not your favorite what is it what is the feeling is it just that like there's other tracks you feel like you put more work into or is there some that you feel like that was the one i sort of put out there and didn't really think too hard about it and it ends up being the one that people like i mean like no you, you pick the tracks that i i would expect you to pick yeah, based <laughs> on the based on the on i'm the, a simple the, man no no based on the majority of people uh, who were talking to me, messaging me, and reviewing the albums and stuff like that? Hmm. They considered these tracks to be the best. So, because obviously, I mean, if there's any thread to this uh, entire conversation, is that you are an incredibly modest person. So, is it that if enough people message you and tell you their favorite song is one particular song, and you know that you've put in all this work into an album? Is it like almost like sort of a resentment that you go like everyone keeps on talking about this one song and meanwhile I know that I put a lot of heart into like all the rest of them? Is that what's going on? No, no, not at all. If everyone keeps messaging me that the, there's a, a great track, I'm really happy that there is a great track I've made. 
that's pretty much it. There's absolutely nothing negative about people telling me that that I take inside. No, but I'm saying, but it's in your head, right? Because like you're the modest yeah. one here, so like it's nice to receive compliments. I'm just thinking, okay, enjoy. I'm just not gonna make any similar track in the future. <laughs> 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 pretty much, yeah. <laughs> That's the only one that that uh, I'm just gonna try to avoid this kind of tunes in the future. Pretty much, yeah. Is then part of it that you feel weird getting a compliment for something that you know you're never gonna deliver the same thing on? I just don't know. I, I basically I just don't consider it that good to be honest. I mean, I I, I don't know how to describe it. Are, are you are you modest or do you just have very high standards? I don't know, a bit of both, I guess. I mean, like I said, I don't consider myself a great talent or you should. I don't I don't think so. I mean, there's so many people that are crazy talented that just didn't have the luck that I had. It's all about luck at some point. I mean, I was extremely lucky and that's why I'm here talking to you and that's why I'm uh, you know, living uh, a full time as a film composer because I had luck. It's not about talent and skills. Oh uh, no, 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 yeah, no. Uh, really. no, because there is one million people out there that would could be on my spot and they will probably do a, a, a better job. I, I'm absolutely sure about that. It's just all down to luck. Okay, no, what I think is, it's kind of like that, um, the book that Gladwell wrote about uh, outliers. Basically, the, the premise of, of outliers is that sometimes there's people who are in situations like lucky or very fortunate situations to get more time and training on a particular thing. Mm -hmm. If you practice enough, and if you work enough at a particular skill, um, you basically, you become better than other people because you've just had more time to invest into the thing. And that sounds pretty good. Right? Yeah, pretty good, yeah. So what I think is, what you might be calling luck is you have been fortunate enough that you also have this history of making music for a long time. And so those years doing chiptunes is actually really important and being in bands and stuff like that is really important to where nowadays, if someone puts a keyboard in front of you, you're just going to be more efficient at making music with it than someone who's just starting because you have this history and this time. And of course, I think chiptunes, because I've talked to a lot of people who started making chiptunes, is actually really beneficial to making music because since you have those limitations like you talk about, you're forced to really focus on melodies that are as compelling as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then later on, when you're given the tools and like more advanced, you know, like VSTs and keyboards to play with, you already have this skill set in your head of what are the chords to play that bring out these feelings and and all these things. And so while it's sort of luck in that you've been fortunate enough that you had access to the computer when you were young, because obviously we didn't all have computers growing up and all this stuff, but then talent is also involved as well, because like we said in in earlier, uh, talking about the generic synthwave, a lot of people have computers now, a lot of people can download uh, FL Studio for free, but it doesn't mean they're going to make good music. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So my point is that you're a talented guy, is my point. (laughs) I, don't, I mean, I, I probably have a, a, a tiny bit of talent as well, maybe. Uh, but uh, but I'm just I'm just saying that uh, there are people out there 
who are really really talented. Of and course. When I when I when I listen to their stuff, oh, this is a perfect this is a perfect uh, description of the situation. Uh, uh, did you ever see a film uh, Goodwill Hunting? You know what? I've never seen Goodwill Hunting, although I. I am aware of it in the culture because I've seen it referenced quite a bit. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil it for you, oh, I don't but care. there's Matt Damon, who is a prodigy, mm. math prodigy, right? I mean, not only math prodigy, he's a, a, a general a prodigy. He just reads a book in a few minutes, knows everything. And there is a, a Stellan Skargard who plays a mathematician, a professor, who is like a one of the best in the world, right? In the world of mathematics and stuff like that, right? And there is Matt Damon. You're following me? Yes, I am listening. I'm, very, I'm okay. listening very intently uh, <laughs> to the plot of Goodwill Hunting. And Matt Damon is making equations for, for, for him, right? Math equations. These theories uh, that you write in, in mathematics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's preparing all this and gives him that. And he's just like going home and in one hour do it and, you know, for him it's just like nothing right and uh, delivers him the next uh, delivers him the the equations on the next meeting and uh, this guy is just like oh my god you're god right and uh, at some point matt damon is talking to him is saying him this that he doesn't want to do it because it's childish for him right whatever this guy is telling him to solve is just like nothing for him right he doesn't really want to be bothered with it because it's nothing he he just like he doesn't really think think of it he doesn't really see any sense in it uh, and they argue uh, and Matt Damon got pissed and puts the uh, papers the equations he just delivered on on fire right mm. and throw it in the in, in the bin and Stan Skargard is just like going on this on his knees and just you know taking it out of the on the on the trash and putting the fire down and just like you know act like he's uh, uh, kept uh, holding a, a, a gold right pure gold yeah, for yeah. and he's just saying to him how can you how can you not be into it how can you not understand what you have right and he's just like I don't I don't care uh, why do you care and Stan Skargard says something like that because it's because it's like I don't know exact the words he's using, but because but but he's saying some something like that because it's it's painful for me. I can't sleep. I can't eat knowing that there is someone like you in the world who just does it like it's nothing. When there is like ten people in the whole world understanding this, right? And that's the key sentence that I uh, I was referring to. He's saying this: if you put me and yourself in front of everyone else on the planet Earth, right, they will think we are the same. But only I know that I'm like a five-year-old next to you, right? And that's killing me. Because for everyone else, we are the same. But I know that you're just like from a different planet compared compared to me. And, and I think that's the same with music at some point. You know when you see and hear a talent that, you know, they are really good, that they are have the the ease to do stuff that you just won't be able to do with the same ease. But this is the way you view yourself in relation to other artists? You're, you're the Stellan Skarsgård while other, yeah. other musicians I mean, are throwing their not, music? Not in the- all, of course, but I can... Maybe not on a, on a such a big scale, but uh, I just know that, you know, there are people that are just really good and I'm just like... I have my things and I'm comfortable with it, but, uh, you know, I have some limitations as well. And there are people that don't have any limitations. 
they are just really, really talented and just do whatever they want. Yeah, but maybe in like real life they're really sad or something. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> I don't. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the other, uh, the other really good uh, comparison is uh, uh, Mozart and Salieri, right? There was a Salieri who was a great composer working for the uh, uh, in Vienna for King, and he was just like working. Uh, really hard. It's yeah. F. Murray Abraham played him, right? Yeah, he was well respected, and then just came Mozart, who, who just, you know, he was preparing something for a few weeks to play when Mozart arrives, and Mozart just start playing right away after one hearing of it, right, and start, you know, making uh, adjustments and, and changing everything to sound even better, and that, that that's just how it is. So are you are you F. Murray Abraham in this scenario? Yeah, I, I kind of like to think of myself as a, as F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was. He, <laughs> don't get me wrong, he was still great, right? Mm. Uh, but you know, there's always a bigger fish. I mean, that's that's I guess that's to my point. Just to just to I mean, clarify. I still think like I, I'm sometimes really happy with what I've done, and uh, you know, I don't want to you know people think that I'm overly modest. And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's not like that. I'm just thinking as a really human being, you just know that, you know, there are some great talents out there. Well, let's put this to the test. I want to listen to a track from End of Transmission 2. And I'd like to listen to the track Transmission 13. How would you feel about that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's listen to this uh, best track of this uh, uh, album, of course.
And that was Transmission 13 by Wojciech Olszewski from End of Transmission 2. So did I do it again? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> this has been a fun conversation. <laughs> oh, no, I like this track. I mean, it's really chilling. It's, it's, it's kind of so simple, but it's really chilling. And, uh, you know, you can just get in the good mood next uh, with it uh, and... People love it, and so if people love it, I'm loving. <laughs> you, you listen. I just need you to understand that you make really awesome music. I think more people should be uh, talking about the music you make because it's uh, very good and uh, powerful stuff, and I like it a lot. I don't really advertise the, the music that much as well, to be honest. Maybe uh, that's why not that many people are aware of it. There is only a few people I usually contact when I have a thing to release. Uh, you're you're being one of them. Considering what you know, when you think about your own music and where you would classify yourself, why did you reach out to me? I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I had a friend that that were on your show, or uh, you know, I'm I'm I consider myself a friend with uh, you know people like uh, Augur or Matthew. I mean, m- makeup and vanity set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, probably more that I can't really think of it now. Okay, okay, that's the connection then, because I know you had this connection before with the um, with the demo scene, but I didn't start doing sort of chip tune shows and still until maybe like last year. And uh, but yeah, if you're connected with uh, Robin and uh, and makeup and vanity set and stuff, then that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's pretty much. Uh the connection, I guess, and I was actually listening to your podcast very in the beginning, uh, mostly because of, of the talks. Not really that much for the music. Many tracks are great, but but you know, just like we said, uh, I'm not really listening that much to to the general synthwave. I mean, the the the, the, the biggest uh, synthwave genre, you would say that you you just put all these uh, tracks uh, with vocals and stuff like that. I'm not really into that that much. Mm. I prefer instrumental music. Uh, vocals are kind of taking away it from me. And I'm not really into that happy synthwave vibe when it's just like you get you in the mood to, you know, be dreamy and drink a wine or whatever and just, you know, chill. I prefer music, just like you said, like music of Robin or makeup vanity set, the music that's, I mean, especially Augur, he's just a thing of its own, which I really like about him because when you listen to Augur, you just know it's Augur, right? Instantly. Yeah. He has his sounds, he has his, uh, you know, his tracks are great. They are very minimal, very often as well, but they are just so full of stuff, you can just like get into it. Uh, because it just sounds so good. The ideas are great. Uh, melodies are very simple, very often, but it's just like in simplicity, there is just this beauty and, and, and the real power without making it too complex to really come up with, with stuff. And I think he is the guy that should, for example, should get a lot more recognition and uh, more people should be knowing him. I was listening to his stuff back in the days and they all did start with the, the more strict synthwave. Mm. And then he evolved, uh, same with Makeup Advantage. They, they both start to evolve in a different areas. And if you would put a, a latest record of Augur, I wouldn't personally call him anything close to Synthwave, right? It's just 
a completely different electronic music of its own. I, I say this all the time, but um, I use the term synthwave really loosely. Like, I mean, some people are very specific about what they say is synthwave. To me, I say now that this show is sort of in and around the synthwave scene. And basically, for my personal taste, synthwave is just sort of music sometimes that ha- has a nostalgic aspect or evokes yeah. um, the past in some way. And for me, it's all about the instruments that are used. So some people are very specific about song structure. For me, I just like, like Ogre, for example, you know, he uses a lot of retro gear. Mm-hmm. And that to me is also sort of synthwave because it's using old sounds. So even if the production value is new, I like the sounds. I like those old warm synth kind of sounds. And, um, Obviously, with your music, you've got, like, with the chiptune sort of aspect to some of the sounds you use, it gives it, even though the songs are new, it gives it sort of a, a retro kind of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah definitely. What is, what is synthwave really right now? It's just like, you, you can't really tell anymore. Well, people use the hashtag very liberally. Yeah, so yeah, like, pretty I, much. Because yeah. when I'm on Instagram, I see things like hashtag synthwave, and it's these like weird animations of like Homer Simpson, and it's all like playing like slow motion music. I, I, and I hashtag synthwave on my tracks as well if I'm posting somewhere, because how do you hashtag other one? What hashtag do you use, the, the, right? The general, yeah, like, yeah, for me, because it doesn't upset me. Like, there's some people who... Like, Synthwave is that generic sound we talked about before. Synthwave is a poly-6 bass line. Yeah, and I guess that's what people... When people get annoyed or, or mad when you yeah, call Yeah, but, they, but I, I disagree with that. Like, when people are upset about it, I'm like, then it's so limiting. Because when the scene started, it was all about nostalgia. And I think that, for me... As long as the music has some sort of... Because there's a difference to electro, like modern electronic music where they're all using new s- sorts of samples and things. Mm-hmm. There, There's just a different vibe when it's using retro sounds, even if you are using a modern, you know, digital audio workstation or you're using a modern keyboard or whatever. But there's certain types of sounds that evoke that nostalgia and... To me, that is synthwave. That's the difference between listening to dubstep or something, you know? Like I, I would agree with you on this because, you know, people are uh, saying that synthwave is a ghost, which I, would, uh, I wouldn't consider it as... It's just like, put ghost next to the midnight, for example. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, the moon and the sun, so... The thing in general just needs some kind of label anyways, right? And synthwave yeah. label just pretty much works with everything because you know, at the very end, you know what to expect more or less, at least in terms of sounds, emotions, and the tools that are used to make this kind of uh, music. Yeah, right? I think so. To me, it's it's an umbrella term and there's lots of stuff under it. And exactly at the yeah. heart of it, you know, there is what I would consider like a pure synthwave sound. And that's, you know, a few specific artists who made the music in like, you know, 2010 or whatever. Yeah. But in the same way that, like, I've listened to some chiptune music where you would call it chiptune, but structurally it's like, well, this is a classical piece of music, but they're using a Commodore to make it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so at that point, is it classical music? 
but it's chiptune because the instruments used are chiptune instruments. Exactly. Even though structurally, you could argue that, well, this is classical music, technically, because it is. I view synthwave the same way, where to me, it's not so much about the structure, it's about the sound, it's about the emotion, it's about the, uh, you know, just the general vibe, and and the aesthetic. The aesthetic is a huge part of it, too. Yeah, exactly. But just like you said, with chip discs, with chips, it also evolved, right? Because at some point, the chip, when there was a competition on demo parties, uh, there was always a, a competition of, of central music types and there was uh, old school music music and, and cheap music and stuff like that or mp3 later on but in the very early days of demo scene there was pretty much only two uh, music competitions on every party it was a uh, cheap competition and mod competition or regu- regular music and you know just like you said, you, you, you're referring to sounds and how you make it, what, what makes chip, right? But the, the general rule for the chip to be chip tune, the chip tune can't be bigger than 32 kilobytes, right? <laughs> that that was the definition of chip of chip tune. So if you make a, a classic track with classic sampled, you know, extremely shitty music uh, samples of classic orchestra, make instruments out of it, make a track that's classical music and put it below 32 kilobytes, you would take part in chip tune competition. And formally, this would be a chip tune, even though it's uh, pure classical music, right? Because yeah, yeah, the definition yeah. of chip tune is 32 kilobytes. Everything above 32 kilobytes is a regular track. Everything below is is chiptune. Yeah, <laughs> I just love 32 kilobytes. It's awesome. Uh, but look, I want to listen to another song, all right? And then we'll keep talking. So this was one from uh, a cool album you made, a more recent one called The Priests of Hiroshima. And uh, this was one I dug a lot. This is uh, Fatum.
And that was Fatum from the Priests of Hiroshima by Wojciech Golchevsky. And I am here with Wojciech right now, and we're just uh, chatting about the demo scene and uh, and how the synthwave scene has uh, sort of evolved. I'm actually more curious what will happen to synthwave in general in the next coming years, because we have all this uh, retro nostalgia slowly picking up in films, uh, TV shows. Uh, everyone starts doing it. Uh, electronic music comes back really hard to films and uh, TV shows as well. I'm really curious um, what will happen because all of the Stranger Things probably is the biggest thing that brought it back. But uh, yeah, I- I'm curious if Synthwave's gonna like uh, blend in completely with within itself and just like you know spread across a lot of lot of different uh, types of music and it won't be a thing on its own uh, anymore in, in a couple of years because i think um, what we are now witnessing may be a peak of a synthwave scene as it is well for me again i'm, I'm sort of like the the reverse of your situation because like I, I like making movies and things and I, I haven't in a long time because I put all my work right now into the podcast but what I'm trying to do is basically get all the videos that I've been working on out so that I can go back to focusing on that again mm-hmm. I want to make music videos and, and short films and stuff and for me music is the fuel so I need music to make the pictures mm-hmm. yeah. I've always been that way like I find great music is the most inspiring art to me like I, I mean I love movies and, and TV and stuff but um, when it comes to just pure inspiration to make me think of things and imagine and write and, and do all this stuff it's all music uh, that's I need it as my fuel and so I don't care about labels and scenes and anything I'm just happy that there's talented people making cool music and if they change then I'll you know continue to follow what they do and if I continue to you know feel something from what they make then yeah yeah many many change already right many yeah. of the people and bands that started it are now in a completely different spot and many people are having a hard time to accept that they are not doing what they were used to doing what they were used to do but they also open up on new people and new fans and I think that's the only way to do it actually everyone evolves and just no one's gonna be doing the same thing over and over again that's a, I guess a, that, that will be another story for a, a long conversation yeah. <laughs> how people r- react to artists changing and evolving and just not doing the same thing for what they were loved uh, in the past right because yeah. many people have a really hard time accepting that uh, someone is not doing the fun stuff anymore and just tries to search and you know but that's what separates uh, the real artists from the yeah exactly and i think that that's that when when it comes to synthwave people who will be trying to squeeze the most out of this popularity of the thing at the moment will just be these copycats that will just keep producing the same tracks over and over again. And many people will listen as something in the background, but I think the best what you can get out of it is how many people actually buy your music, right? This is something really important. I think every artist needs to uh, ask himself. I mean, I ask myself many times, is my music good, right? And if so, if I can make a living out of it, right? That means something, right? That means that if my album is sold in five or seven or eight uh, thousand copies, right? 
that's a lot for an independent artist, right? Because most of us are independent. If we are with labels, it's also independent labels. If I'm selling thousand or one thousand and five hundred vinyl records of Reality Check, for example, right? That's a lot. I know a, a lot more established artists that are not selling this kind of numbers uh, in in terms of uh, physical copies because nowadays uh, music is just you know you can get it for free you go to spotify and you can listen to it and what i've noticed that many uh, very popular synthwave artists are not selling to many records and there is a question why yeah because if someone's buy it then he thinks the music is worth it right if it's worth it it means it's good it's valuable for someone you're doing a good job if you're releasing music that no one is buying and a lot of people are listening to then there is something wrong in here i think you know it's not a problem to be on a playlist or on youtube or spotify and get uh, thousands of plays and, and listeners it's how many of these people will actually follow you and will actually buy your stuff and they will actually support you because when they buy your stuff they support you to do more of it and i've seen uh, many popular artists who are said to be uh, one of the top of the game and they are not selling that many right but they are very popular you know you can't really uh, make more mu- music or make a living out of popularity right you have to have some source of income I, and i'm saying this because i actually seen something today uh, I, i won't uh, name the band but i've seen just a, a title that says that um, some uh, really well-known synthwave band released a new album which is something different right and uh, and the headline was okay it's different but why is it bad right something along these lines and and that's pretty much describes how people react to people trying to evolve and do different stuff this is the thing though it's it's the same as the people who are the puritans about uh the synth wave scene is i'm not one of those people because i just like again cool music and it depends obviously i think people can change You can change too much where it's justified. Like if 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 there's a band I like because they're like electronic and then they do an album of like country music, I think I might be right in going, okay, like this one's not for me, but I wouldn't turn on them. Like yeah. one of my, my my favorite bands before, you know, I started listening to Synthwave all the time, uh was Depeche Mode and they changed their sound all the time. Like they were still the same band, but All of their albums sound different, yeah. but they always still used electronic sounds and stuff like that. And it was still pop music, but it was weird and dark. And so there's there's certain threads that ran through it, but they still kept changing things up. And I think a, a real artist is someone who's compelled to make their art. You know, they don't do it because it's like, oh, this might be interesting or whatever. Like they do it because it's a compulsion. It's like you have to and you have to go where you go. And it's not their fault that it's actually a pop at this particular time, right? Because I love Depeche Mode as well. And we can say they are pop and they are. But I mean, what's Depeche Mode's pop, right? I mean, they are they are artists with the capital A right mm. in another dimension they probably would be like very you know underground you know they make a great stuff i think it's very innovative and uh, like you said they are evolving the sound all the time they are not sticking with one 
for too long, even though they, everything has the stamp of Depeche Mode on it. But you, how can you compare Depeche Mode, for example, to the likes of Shakira, right? Or, or Britney Spears? Everything is pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is pop, and Depeche Mode is also pop. I mean, if there is like a you know a noble pop or or, or just regular pop, then Depeche Mode is the most nob- noble pop of everything, right? Because people love them, and they became pop only because they wrote so good music that even the most people that are just not into electronic or stuff just start listening to it because it's so good. That people starting to hear, yeah, to listen yeah, yeah. to it, and then it became pop because Depeche Mode is now pop only because of the popularity, right? Not because what they do is just like their goal is not to be popular. Or maybe this is uh, the, the best way to do it. I mean, they, they just <laughs> they just were doing their own new thing at the time that people just fell in love with, right? But uh, I mean, they're absolutely gods in terms of. Uh, the true artists and of course i'm not just gonna bash on on people like shakira britney spears or whatever but i'm i, I think you know it's just like a, a completely different kind of pop here and there right yeah yeah, and yeah. i think that's that's the same i would be happy if i would be popular as well i mean there's nothing wrong with being popular right as long as you're as, as you're doing something you think it's really valuable yeah but uh, see then uh, you know but then you get to my level where I can't even go outside and get groceries without being swarmed <laughs> yeah. by fans yeah, I've seen that. you know I just I just want to get my damn groceries <laughs> and then they just don't let me but look listen <laughs> we we have to uh, we got to wind this down man we've been talking for a while so how about we listen to one more song and then we will wrap this up so this was a cool track for a soundtrack I think to something called a Hover, and this track is really cool. This is The New Beginning by Wojciech Golczewski.
And that was The New Beginning from the album Hover by Wojciech Golchewski. And I am here with Wojciech. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have been, we've been talking for a long time, so we got to fucking uh, wrap this thing up. Before we do, I would yes. just really like to thank you for the support. Thank you for playing my tracks earlier on when no, nobody know, knew who I was. And uh, you know, there's not many people that would do that, and not many people are still cool with doing that just for doing it. Many people try to get some benefits out of it, to play stuff and stuff like that. I'm really happy that you just keep doing what you're doing and keep supporting people. In, in all fairness, I do get some benefits because you did yeah, send I know, me music. I know you, 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 you sent me music, so like that's a, that's a benefit to me. Getting music from artists is really awesome because of how much I love awesome music right so when i'm at this position now where really talented artists just go oh here's a link to my new album and they just send it to me it's sort of payment enough you know what i mean because it's like even being paid in music is great yeah i know but people you know people want a lot more usually you know there, there are people who would like to, to get some physical copies at least to play your music and stuff like that that's why i don't advertise at all pretty much because I mean, I understand what they are coming from. They, everyone wants to, uh, you know, make a living out of their dreams, and you know. But at some point, you know, if if you have a if you have an artist who is releasing 100 or 200 edition of his vinyl, and you want his vinyl to play the track or or, or or something like that, or to promote him, you want something in return. When sending a vinyl for free and a vinyl record, I'm not talking about myself, but in this particular artist sending a, a vinyl on you know and paying for it and saying a copy of it is pretty much just like giving this particular guy a 10 vinyl vinyl records because the one vinyl record for example gives you a flat uh, five six bucks right so if you if you give a record to someone for free worth uh, 20 bucks and then you have to pay 15 bucks to send him this record yeah you're just like uh, i didn't even know that's records. a thing like to me yeah. the thing is like music to me is the power and i mean people do send me things kindly like they'll send me uh, vinyls and things but yeah because because it's easier it's easier to send someone a record who doesn't want i mean who doesn't you know require to send you the record then you have to okay this guy's good it's worth to send him a record and say, say thank you but you know if you if, if someone is just requesting it to really start a conversation about promotion then I wish I, I wish I had that nerve <laughs> just fucking you can be on my show but you got to send me a record <laughs> I want to be that yeah, guy that, that's that's the uh, but that's the thing I mean I, I've heard a lot of time a lot of people told me that uh, these things are actually happening my policy is I have to like the artist like that's the thing I mean people support the show through Patreon it's just for me it's like if you want to be a guest on the show I gotta like your music like that's the rule yeah and, and in a way it's it's it, I don't know sometimes I think it's a little unfair I feel bad because sometimes there's some people who are really nice people but I don't necessarily like their music and so sometimes the show is filtered through my taste and there might be some people, you know, who are really cool people, but I just don't happen to love their music. That, that's the problem because you're a nice guy in general. I hope I'm a nice guy as well. And I have a similar problems with saying no to people, right? Because mm -hmm. people are asking me to score their films, for example, and they send in me uh, a films that I'm not really into it, to say the least. Sure. Because I think it's not really that good. 
and I don't want to be associated with something that's not really good that much, I mean really bad and then you have to say something <laughs> you, to them. You probably shouldn't have agreed to be on this show then. No, I, I, I really, I mean come on, you have a lot of people that just like you said they are here for a reason, right? And you're doing it for a long, long time and you know it's just like a brutal world out there to be honest. Even people there's so many douchebags out there yeah. <laughs> and you need to be really careful and uh, you have to be aware that you know people are also using you whenever they can whenever you allow them to I could say so many not cool stories about being a film composer that it's just we would have to get like get like three or four more episodes on this because uh, people are really really mean very disrespectful and the more you work the more hard work you put into something the more you try to do your best the more likely you're gonna get butt hurt because they will just screw you over. And uh... well, I think the problem is, especially with with filmmaking, there's so many components to it. And like I've just known people who don't really appreciate all the aspects of it. So you know, they just think, "Oh, music is an afterthought." Whereas, like for me, mm-hmm. music is the foundation. Exactly. And that's why, you know, even when I see behind the scenes of like uh like the alien aliens for example, like the movie, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people always say like, "Oh, like James Cameron's an asshole in real life and stuff." But what I like about him is if you watch like the behind the scenes, he sort of knows everyone's job like on set and stuff and he's very particular about all the aspects of the movie which to me is incredibly important like if you watch it he's really even so specific about the sound effects the guns make and they have to be this and that like he's so sort of involved with every part and I think that's the important thing is like when you understand the importance of every single aspect and I think there's some people who just think that they like the music is just an afterthought like they're so brilliant and they're just going to hire someone and go okay make music like it's not one of the most important aspects of the film it's not even like necessarily disrespect I think it's like just ignorance of of its importance not to mention the worst possible job you can get as a film composer is uh I mean, every film is being uh, cut in the works to some temp music, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get this uh, cut to take a look at, and there's uh, temp music all over it, right? And believe me, there is many films I, c- I could name what temp track was in the cut the composer had to work with, what track was used there, and the composer had to make a new track out of it to be similar, the same, right. but different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the worst. It's copycats uh, the same, but the composer has absolutely no control over it. If you meet a producer or director, especially when they are cutting and preparing the movie for like six or eight months, and you know everything that's in their head is just a temp score, you can't really erase that and you know do something new. They just want this and this and this and nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. They, ha- they are so fixed already on this, that you just have to do it, right? And I, I know a lot of films, uh, big films, that went through that way, uh, this problem. And you can, uh, if, if you're familiar with, uh, with the film scores, you will notice right off the bat uh, that what kind of music was used as a temp and that the, uh, the composer was asked to do something similar but different, right? Yeah. And then you can just pretty much feel it. Of course, this kills absolutely all the creativity. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but not not often but it happens yeah yeah well, look, man. Look, this so is all again, very this is all very interesting. It's <laughs> we're just, we're just <laughs> this episode's going to be really long. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry about That's that. That's okay. <laughs> how about this? Since all of my picks uh, seem to trouble you, how about we end the show and you pick a song that you are particularly proud of, and we will play that one at the end. Oh, that track that I'm, I really like. Uh, yeah, that's. Um, yeah, Command 64 from The Signal uh, is uh, part of the chiptune, uh, not a chiptune, uh, but it uh, has, has a lot of uh, chiptune in it, and I really liked it. It's uh, So if you can play Command 64 from The Signal, that would be great. I really like the track, and I enjoy it a lot. Awesome. Well, it was lovely uh, It was lovely chatting with you, Wojciech Golczewski. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the great pronunciations. Really good to hear. Now, pretty much everyone will be able to get the right pronunciation just by listening to you. Yeah, well, I hope so. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> if I have one mission in life, it's to make sure that everyone pronounces Wojciech correctly. Yeah, I would like to thank also everyone who supports me and uh, buys the stuff, buys the records. You guys are amazing, and uh, thank you a lot for being out there and listening to my music. It means a lot. Yeah, man. And uh, thanks for making cool music and keep on making cool music. I will definitely will. And now we're going to listen to this one, man. This is Command 64 by Wojciech Golchewski. All right, man. We did it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, that was long. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, and that was my chat with Wojciech Goldchewski. I enjoyed chatting with him. I think his music is great, and I think you should go listen to it because it is really cool stuff. And uh, it was brought to you by uh, my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, There's Ashley Keegan with the 2049, Andy's Laugh with the 20, Rachel Buchelman with the 1985, Murat with the 1984, and in the $15 Club, Six Mill, Hampus ML, Kenjuru, and Chatterack. And then, of course, there's Mads Baron Christensen, Prophet of Jupiter, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salaya Lane. I want to thank you all for listening to Beyond Synth. Um, there will be a live show. Well, it's probably going to be more like Thursday now. I don't want to do the live show the same day that I fucking post the, the regular show. But there uh, will be one, and uh, you guys should look forward to that. And that's all I have to say. So you guys have a lovely week. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Here's your mission this week. If you listen to this show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, rate and review it. That's your mission. I would appreciate it. Uh, And and give it five stars. I'm not even going to fuck around here. I could be like, now, you know, rate whatever you think is fair. No, no, no. Give it five stars and say Beyond Synth is the best synthwave chat show there is because it is. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com. Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time...